going to read this in the King James Version, and they'll have that on the screen. Matthew 27, verse 38, says this. Then were there two thieves, two thieves crucified with him, with Jesus, one on the right hand and another on the left. Titling this message this morning, Two Thieves. Two Thieves. Now, there was a former prime minister of Great Britain by the name of Benjamin Disraeli. And he made this statement. He said this. He said, every man crucifies himself. Now, you realize Jesus was crucified between two thieves, but here's what this Benjamin Disraeli said. He said, every man crucifies himself. Think about this. Crucifies himself between two thieves. The regret of yesterday and the fear of tomorrow. Every man crucifies himself between two thieves. The regret of yesterday and the fear of tomorrow. That's very, very true, isn't it? If you think about that. Every person, now I don't know that every person has done this, but most people that I know have done this, and I know I'm preaching to myself this morning as much as anybody else, because I've done this, crucified myself, My wife will tell you it's true. I've crucified myself almost daily between these two thieves. The regret of yesterday and the fear of tomorrow. You know, has anybody ever done that besides me? A thief, you know, is someone or something that steals from us. And this has stolen from me. I've allowed it to do so. Crucifying myself between these two thieves of the regret of yesterday and the fear of tomorrow. So today I want to take a few minutes and talk about these two thieves. First of all, the regret of yesterday. The regret of yesterday or the days gone by or the years gone by. The regret of of that which is in the past. You know regret the definition of regret is to feel sad or to feel repentant or disappointed over something that has happened or been done in the past, especially a missed opportunity or something that could have been done differently. It's a regret, a disappointment over something that could have been done differently. You know, let's go to Hebrews 12, verse 16. And I'm going to read this in the Message Bible. Hebrews 12, verse 16. It'll be on the screen. Hebrews 12, 16 in the Message Bible says, Watch out for the Esau syndrome. The Esau syndrome is what the Message Bible calls this. Trading away God's lifelong gift in order to satisfy a short-term appetite. 
Now, how many of you remember, and just leave that on the screen for a moment, about Esau. Remember, he had the birthright, didn't he? Abraham, Isaac, right? And we talk about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but it really was going to be Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. But Esau, remember, for a bowl of stew, traded away the blessing of God, didn't he? For a bowl of bowl of soup or stew, he traded away the blessing of God. And of course, he regretted that. As time went on and he wept bitter tears over it. And look at verse 17, if you would, what the Bible says. You well know how Esau later what? Later what? He, re- he what? He regretted. He regretted. See, we're talking about crucifying yourself between two thieves, the re- one, of, one of which is the regret of yesterday. He later regretted that, imp- that what? That impulsive act and wanted God's blessing. But by then it was too late. Tears or no tears. Of course, he wept tears, 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 tears. He, he regretted so badly what he had done, but it couldn't be changed. It couldn't be changed. He regretted his actions. You know, uh, I have done this as much as anybody, regretted some of my past actions over the many years. And this has perhaps stolen more time and energy from me and my wife than anything else. She has spent untold hours listening to me pine over the regrets of yesterday, crucifying myself over what I should have done, what I could have done, what I might have done, what I might have become if only I had done something differently. If I could only go back and do it all over again. Now, am I just the only one that's ever done this or has anybody else done this? Am I just, well, if, I've, if there's, I'll just preach to myself today. But I think I'm probably preaching to probably most of you. What I should have done, what I could have done, what I might have done, what I might have become if only I had done something differently in the years gone by. If only, wouldn't you like to have a dollar for every time I've said, if only I could go back. If only I could go back and do that again, I'd do it so differently. One reason for that is because now I'm smarter than I was back then. How many of you, hopefully we're all smarter today than we were 20 years ago. It wouldn't be nice to know what we know now and go back 20, 25 years. But, But the thing is, see, when I say that, I'm, what am I doing? I'm crucifying myself. Huh? So I'm doing it even as I stand here in the pulpit. <laughs> Crucifying myself between that, uh, that thief of what? Of the regret of yesterday. Oh, if only I could go back and do it over again. I'd do it so differently. One thing I think of is the game of golf. How many of you have ever heard of the game of golf? You know, now, now you sit there and you, you, you chuckle at that. But when I was a kid, I was, I was a good golfer. 
Now, I'm not, I'm not bragging or nothing like that. Like Jesse the Body Ventura said, it ain't bragging if you can back it up. <laughs> How many of you know who Jesse is? Who'd ever thought he'd become the governor if you saw him in the wrestling matches years ago? I guess anything's possible in the United States, huh? But, I, you know, I, I could not... Now, some of you guys that have played golf with me in these last years, I mean, I'm just, I'm just, I just absolutely am a hack. You know what hack is? It's horrible. Compared to the... When I was a kid, I could play golf. I, I could. I could hit that nice high draw. I could move the ball, hit it low, hit it high, trajectory, bring it down in the green, bring it past the hole, you know, bring it back to the hole, you know, just all kinds of spins and I could drive the ball. So, I mean, I, I was a good player. And there was a golf pro that I know who had saw me play on many occasions and I'll never forget it. He called me into his office one day and I'll never forget. He laid his checkbook down. He opened his checkbook up and he said, anything you want to play in, any tournament, any, any, anything that you need as it pertains to the game of golf, my checkbook is open and I'll pay for anything you want to do in the game of golf. And you know what I did? I passed up that opportunity. I played golf on the golf team in high school. And when I was a freshman in this ninth grade, I could beat everybody. And again, it's not bragging if you can what? I, I, could, I could beat everybody in not only ever, all the students, but I could beat the teachers. I could beat, beat the golf coach. I remember when I played with the golf coach, I played with him the summer before I went into ninth grade. I happened to get to play with him at a golf tournament and, and, and I got up there and I was nervous. Have you ever been nervous? And I got up there and I just, I just smoked that baby right down the middle. Just, whew, I felt so good, you know, right in front of the golf coach and, and uh, hit it way past him. And, and uh, so that was good and as I played, the one day I was playing at Crystal, Crystal Lake, it's not there anymore, but I played with, uh, I was a freshman and he was a senior with Jay Delsing. Now, you probably never heard of him, but some of you may have. He, he actually played on the PGA Tour. In fact, he may still be playing out on the professional golf tour, but I was in ninth grade. He was a senior and, and uh, now, you know, I couldn't play as good as him at that time. But I remember he pulled me off to the side and he said, he said, are you a freshman? Yeah. I said, boy, by the time you become a senior, you're going to be able to just, you know, just write your ticket and go to any college basically you want to go to, you know. And, and I thought that was a good compliment coming from him. And so we went on down the road and played golf. But the thing about it is I didn't play golf my senior year in high school. Oh, it kicked me. Oh, it kicked me. No, no not really. What am I talking about? Crucifying myself concerning the regret of what? The past. I didn't play golf. And the reason I didn't play, I played in ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th grade, but the reason I didn't play in 12th grade was because we had a losing team. And, and, and I, would, I would get the medalist. That was a low, low score for both teams. I would get that almost every time. I'd beat everybody on my team and on the other team. They'd announce it on the speaker at Eureka High School in announcements in the morning. 
And there was this one girl there that I was hoping she'd, sorry, hon, but I didn't know you at the time. I was hoping she'd, she never paid no attention, you know. It's like the first time I hit a golf ball in front of my wife. I thought I was going to impress her. And I got out there and I said, now you watch this because I'm going to impress her, you know. Before, before we were married, and boy, I smoked that baby right down the middle. And I, what did you think of that? She said, I didn't even see it. But I don't think that girl ever listened to the announcements. And anyway, but but I was tired. I'd shoot the lowest score, and my team would lose because it was a horrible golf team. It was miserable, and and, and none of the other players were that good. But I I, I was good. But I I was tired of having being on a losing team, even though I'd shoot a good score. And so I didn't play in my senior year. And uh, even in spite of that. I got a letter, in fact, I'd forgotten about it, and we found it when we were moving some years ago. I'd got a letter from Washington University. Has anybody ever heard of that? You ever heard of Washington U right here in St. Louis? It's one of the most exclusive schools, and not the most exclusive, but it's, it's, it's a pretty good school. And, uh, and I'd forgot about it, but we, we found that letter, didn't we? And, and they offered me a scholarship wasn't going to cost me or my mother or anybody a dime. All I had to do was go there based on my academics, but mostly my golf. And they were going to let me play on the golf team and let me go to school there for free. And I passed it up. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. <laughs> go on. And I went to Merrimack instead. Now, nothing wrong with Merrimack. I taught there for many years, and it's a good school. But I mean, when you can go to Wash U, you know, I mean, why? I mean, now you think I'm beating up on Merrimack? I'm not. But I mean, compared to Wash U, that's like going from New York to California, and they're offering to fly you there on a 747, and you decide to take a covered wagon, you know. Somebody said, Pastor, you were goofed up. Well, I guess I was. But I can't tell you how many times I have beaten myself up over that. Regret of of what? Of the past, of yesterday. Now, I've been talking about golf, but you know, I have some friendships and relationships in my past that, you know, there are some people I've met in my past that I'd have been better off not meeting. And there's probably some people who would say that about me. I don't know, but there's, there, there's a couple of them I'm thinking on that, that, that I'd have been better off if I had never met them. You know, you're sitting here today. You know, there's some people have been in marriages that didn't work out. You think back that, you know, I'd have been better off if that would have never happened. Never even got married to that particular person. Or a friendship or some relationship. I I can think of, I'm thinking of two of them specifically right now that, that it just cost me so much, so much of my time and so much of my 
And how many times I've said to my wife, if I'd have never met that person or if I'd have never had that relationship in the past, I'd have been so much better off. Has anybody ever thought that besides me? And it hindered you, didn't it, as time went on? I know there's a couple of them, particularly this one that I'm thinking of. I wanted a relationship with this person. I wanted a friendship with this person. And I went to the Lord and I said, I want a relationship with this person. And, and uh, in the process of time, guess what? Uh, now, he, did, he never was in on it. He didn't ever want me to have, he, let me say it good English. He never wanted me to have a relationship with this person. But I wanted it. It was a female. Now, there was never any sexual misconduct there, but I saw this girl before I knew Diane, and I thought, that's the girl for me. And the Lord just never, and I just went to him and pestered him, and finally, I, had a, I got a friendship with her. Cost me time, effort, and money, too. I remember I got one paycheck from the golf pro that I worked for, and I went out and I spent the whole blasted thing on this girl. You know, you can't buy, if you have to buy somebody's love, it's not worth having. Now, I didn't say you shouldn't give gifts to people and love them, you understand? But if you've got to buy somebody, if you, you, and I tried, I did everything. But you know what, it never worked out and it just, it just cost me all kinds of time and energy and effort. Oh, how I've regretted some of the things I've done. You know, there's things I've regretted about relationships, you know. Uh, you know, there's some relationships that I've had over the years that uh, I, I should have got out of them quicker than what I did. I'm not talking about romantic stuff here. Now, I'm talking about just a friendship with somebody. Did you know that sometimes friendships can drag you down? They, 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 I mean, I've already seen people get in, and I've done it myself. You get into a relationship that that's, it's, it, it looks so good at first, but then you get into it, and, and that person, you do everything you can for them. You love them. You want to try to help them, but they're just going to be the way that they are. And in the process of time, they start, what, dragging you down. But we want to do the loving thing and we want to love them and you know, blah, blah, blah. And that's all good and fine. But, you know, there comes a point where if that person just isn't going to change and they're going to keep dragging you down, you need, to, you need to remove yourself from them. Remember my saying, it's original with me, it's better to love somebody from a distance than to hate them up close. Is that right? Is that right? Some people you need to withdraw from. And oh, how I regret some of the relationships that... That, 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 that I let go on longer than what I should. And even in Diane and myself, when we got married in the first years of our marriage, there's some things that, oh, how many times that I've said, oh, if we could just go back to when we got married and just do a couple of things different. Haven't I said that to you many, many times? But again, when I do that, what am I doing? I'm crucifying myself between that next, right next to that thief of what? Regret of yesterday. I think about the early years of the church. 
this church, that if, oh, if I could just go back there and do a couple things differently here, even, even in, as time went on, even in more recent days, if I could just have done a few things differently and, and uh, adjusted a few things. And Look at Mark, the sixth chapter and the 26th verse. Mark the 6th chapter and the 26th verse. New Living Translation. It'll, it'll be on the screen there. Mark 6.26, New Living Translation. NLT, New Living Translation. Talking about King Herod. Remember, he was having a big, I guess it was a birthday party or whatever. And remember uh, uh, Herodias' daughter, we believe her name to be Salome. Remember, she came out and danced, you know. And, uh, and, and Herod offered her everything that he had up to half the kingdom. Remember that? He said something, didn't he? He said it in front of his friends and whatnot. And in the process, and then, and then does anybody remember what uh, Salome, what her request was? She wanted something. What did she want? The head, the head of John the Baptist. And when Herod heard that, he liked John. He didn't want to put him to death, but he'd put it, he had said something. And then the king deeply what? Regretted. Regretted what he had said. But because of the vows he had made in front of his guests, he couldn't refuse her. Did he regret or did he deeply regret? Deeply. Have, has anybody in here ever deeply regretted something they've said? raising both hands, both feet. I've regretted some of the things I've said over the years. How many of you, you know, after you said it, you wish you could, you know, get it back? It's like a bullet. Once a bullet goes out the gun, you can't get it back. Is that right? Like clicking that email. Once that thing's clicked, I don't think you can get it back. I don't know. But I know once the words go, how many of you have ever been like me? The words have gone out of the mouth and you know, you're trying to run over there and you know, anybody ever do that besides me? Probably the one I, the thing I've regretted the most is some of the things I've said to my wife while angry or frustrated. You know, when you're angry or frustrated, it'd be best just to not say anything. Did you hear me? That's one thing that we've told couples over the years that when, because if you're if you're married couple, you know, you're going to get into an argument. I mean, that's just, I mean, <laughs> is that right? Oh, yeah. You know, but we always tell tell them go to the neutral corners once you get in that argument. Go to the neutral corners and cool off, because when you're angry or frustrated you're liable to say things that you don't mean, that if you could, you know, think about it, cool off, you wouldn't say. But once you say those words, you know, this is really true. You know, how many of you would agree with me that beating your wife is a horrible thing to do? Or beating your husband would be a horrible thing to do. But you know, you can beat them with your words. And sometimes those words can be more damaging than a physical blow. Because a physical blow in time can heal 
and we're not, I mean, don't do either. Don't beat your spouse physically, but don't beat them up with your words. Because there's been things that I've said that I have regretted. And, and I tell you what, there's even things that you can say in frustration and make a declaration out of your mouth as it pertains to something going on in your life. Doesn't the Bible say that we'll have what we say? I can think of one thing. I can go right back to where I was with my wife concerning the ministry. I remember I was frustrated and I made a statement. I don't know if I'm if I prophesied it or if I or if I I'm just reaping the benefits or the the results of it, not benefits, results of it now. But I said something in frustration and and I wasn't prophesying. I just said something. Have you ever said something in frustration? I remember, I, and I won't tell you what it is because I've repented of it many times and <laughs> I've repented many times. But I said to her, I said, the only problem we'll have in ministry is blank. I'm not gonna tell you what I said. You remember what I said. It's been so, hasn't it? I've regretted that. How many of you have ever crucified yourself between the right side of this thief of the regret of yesterday? I know this is a little bit different than today than what I normally do, but this is very, very practical. I think it's where most of us live. Well, let me give you a couple of scriptures that'll help you with this. Look at Isaiah forty-three eighteen. Message Bible, Isaiah 43, 18. This will help you with this. This will help you with this thief of regret of yesterday. Isaiah 43, 18, Message Bible. What does it say? Let's read it together. Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. And my wife, real loud, said, Amen. Wouldn't you like to have a dollar for every time I've gone over old history? Double amen. amen. Let's read it again. Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. You know, what we've done in the past is past and there's nothing we can do to change, change what we've done. But there's one thing we can do. Real loud, say, learn from it. Learn from it. One more time, learn from it. Learn from it. Now, the problem I have had is I've learned from it. And here's what I want to do. Now, listen, I've learned from it, but here's what I want to do. I want to, what do I want to do? I want to go back and change it. Can I go back and change it? No. See, and here's what I'm getting at. We can read this and we can learn from our past mistakes, but here's where you crucify yourself. Oh, if only I could, boy, I learned, boy, I've learned from it, and I have. Oh, I want to go back and change it. I can't go back. You don't have a time machine, do you? I can't go back. 
I can't do, we can't, we can't go, can we? So you see, by, by that attitude, boy, I've learned a lot. Boy, I wish I could. Don't you see I'm crucifying, I'm still doing it, you see? What do we need to ultimately do? We need to forget about what's happened, learn from it. Let's don't keep going over old history. It's in the past, we've learned from it. Now what must we do? We must do what Paul said in Philippians 3.13. Let's turn there. Philippians 3.13. Brethren, this is New King James Version. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. So Paul was saying this. He said, I, I haven't arrived yet. I'm not perfect. I don't have everything all figured out yet. But one thing I do. What did he say? Forgetting those things which are behind. And then what? And reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Can you say amen to that? Now that's a lot easier to read it than it is to do it. It's a lot easier to say it than it is to do it, but that's what we have to do. Now, let's learn from the past. Let's don't relive it. We can't go back there and do anything about it. We can learn from it and let's move on. Real loud say move on and move on. But now when you reach ahead, Paul said reach ahead and move on. Now comes up this other thief. Remember, there's two thieves. One was the regret of yesterday. What was the second thief? Does anybody remember? The what? The fear of? Has anybody ever feared tomorrow besides me? The unknown, what's gonna happen? The fear of the unknown, the fear of tomorrow. That's another thief. That fear of tomorrow can bind us up as much as that regret of yesterday. You know, if you really think about it, many of the things that I shared with you a moment ago about my regrets, let me just use this golf thing again. You know, one of the reasons I didn't do more with golf than I did is I was afraid that if I did, I would fail. Has anybody ever been afraid of failing? I was afraid that, you know, what happens if I get on the first tee and I hit a bad shot? What if I get up there and embarrass myself? What if I play in that golf tournament and I lose? What are they going to think of me? You know, I've learned this. Life is too short to live being concerned about what the neighbors are going to think about you. Because you know they're going to think what they're going to think anyway. Is that right? And, and it was a fear of failing. A fear of failure. That hinders people. And they, as much as anything else, they crucify themselves almost daily with this. A fear of tomorrow. A fear of using the talent that God has given you. I look back now and I'm glad I didn't pursue golf because I'd much rather be serving God than playing golf. Now, there's nothing wrong with playing golf, but I'm glad that I, I'm glad things have turned out the way that they did. Do you hear me? But having said that, the talents that, that we've all been given, many people don't use them because they're afraid that if I do use them, I may fail. 
there's probably people in this room here that God has given you a talent. He's given you something and yet you don't use it because you're afraid. Well, what if I use it and I fail? Or what if I'm not good enough? Or These are fears. Look, if you would, at Matthew 25, verse 24. New King James. Just a few more of these and we'll close. Matthew 25, verse 24. How many of you remember the talents? You remember the talents that, that was distributed? One was given five, one was given two, and another was, one was given one. And, uh, and remember the one that was given five talents, he used it properly and got another five. And the one that was given two used it properly and, and, and doubled it and got four. But the one, the guy that was given one talent, he didn't do anything with it. And, and, and Jesus is going to tell us why here. Matthew 25, verse 24, New King James Version. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, because the Lord had given him this one talent, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was what? I was what? I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, here's what is yours. It was the Lord, now we're not going to read on for the sake of time, but was the Lord pleased with that or displeased? Very displeased, very displeased. And he said, you should have at least put it in the bank and made some interest. You should have done something with it. People crucify themselves every day right side of this thief of the fear of tomorrow. Has anybody ever done that besides me? Let me give you two scriptures to deal with this. Matthew 6.34, go there very quickly. New King James Version, Matthew 6.34. Jesus said, do not, what about tomorrow? Did he say we shouldn't plan for tomorrow? No, he said we shouldn't what? Worry about it. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. He didn't say we shouldn't plan about plan for it. Didn't say we shouldn't think about it, get ready for it. But what did he say? Do not what? Don't worry about it. And look at 2 Chronicles 20, verse 17. 2 Chronicles 20, verse 17. As it pertains to the fear of tomorrow. Remember, I believe he was talking to Jehoshaphat here. And he set himself to seek the Lord. And look at 2 Chronicles 20, verse 17. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves. We're talking about tomorrow. Position yourself, stand still and see the what? The salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not what? Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them for the Lord is with you. What did he just tell us in that last sentence there about tomorrow? He said, don't fear or be dismayed about tomorrow. Don't fear or be dismayed about tomorrow. Get up in the morning, go out, do what you're supposed to do for God because the Lord is what? He is, he's with you. Okay? So don't be afraid or dismayed about tomorrow. Get up in the morning, go out, do what you're supposed to do for God, for the Lord, say the Lord is with me. 
Say, I'll not worry about tomorrow. I'll not fear tomorrow. I'll not be dismayed about tomorrow. I'll get up in the morning. I'll do what God's told me to do. And he's there with me to help me. Is that good? So these two, the regret of yesterday and the fear of tomorrow will steal from you. It'll ruin what you're supposed to be doing today. Did you ever think about these two thieves? One of the thieves focuses on yesterday and one of them focuses on tomorrow. And when you're focused so much on yesterday and you're focused so much on tomorrow, guess what the devil, what he does? He gets our focus off of today. And the only thing we can do anything about is today anyway. Is that right? And that's a trick of the devil. He'll get you so focused on yesterday or so focused on fearing tomorrow, regretting yesterday, what I should have done yesterday, what I could have done yesterday, what I should have done 10 years ago, what I should have done 15 years ago, what I should have done 20 years ago. He'll get you focused on that or he'll get you focused on what about tomorrow, 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 tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Oh, and so fear. He'll get you focused on those two thieves, yesterday and tomorrow that you lose today. 2 Corinthians 6.2 in the New Living Translation. Real loud, say today. today. One more time, say today. Today, today. 2 Corinthians 6.2, New Living Translation. 2 Corinthians 6.2, New Living Translation. 2 Corinthians 6.2, New Living Translation. For God says, at just the right time I heard you, on the day of salvation I helped you. Indeed, the right time is when? Now, when is the day of salvation? Today. Today. Real loud, say today. Today. Praise God forevermore. We can't do anything about yesterday. It's gone. We learn from it, but it's gone. Tomorrow hasn't got here yet. And when tomorrow gets here, it isn't going to be tomorrow anyway. It's going to be what? Today. So can't do anything about tomorrow. We can plan and do some things to get ready, but don't worry about it. Don't be dismayed. Don't fear tomorrow. The Lord's with us. Forget regretting and stop regretting yesterday. Let's live in today. Today is a day of salvation. Today is a day to receive Jesus. Today is the day to flow with the Spirit of God. Today is today to study the Word of God. Today is a day of salvation. Today is a day of healing. Today is the day to make a difference for God. Can you say amen? Glory to God. Now, having said that, we're going to receive communion. Then we're going to pray for the sick. Praise God forevermore. So ushers, real fast, go as quick as you can. Pass that communion out as fast as you can. Praise God. Stand with me if you would. Glory to God. Praise God forevermore. Now, while they're passing the communion out, they'll be